Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Nathan Crankfield. Excited to share with you another great episode with my homies, Seth and Tori Slayman. So uh, today, Seth and Tori are going to give you some encouragement. You need to not be a bum all summer, which is really, really important, especially when it comes to seeking excellence. There's really no off-season. And so we want to see you get after it all year round. And that includes the beloved summertime, which is known for vacations and chilling and all that stuff, which we want you to do as well. But we have to continue to grow because a lot of people die out and lose momentum in the summertime, which is really sad to see. So we want to start getting after it pretty soon here. I'm going to be starting a 90 day challenge for myself that I will be advertising and talking about on Instagram, thinking about getting a small group together to do that. So if you follow me there, definitely be sure to engage with me if you're looking to challenge yourself physically, mentally, spiritually this summer going into the fall. And so we'd love to connect with you there. Be sure to check out Tori's store, blog, everything great that she does at until I figure something else out on Instagram. You can see all her links there and I'll also link it in the show notes. So thanks for tuning in. Share with anybody if you love this episode. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review if you have five seconds to spare. God bless. You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom. To go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ. To be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You are not made to make excuses. It's time for you to take extreme ownership for your life, for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. and never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. Awesome, this is the Slaymans. We are in our new closet. location, AKA our closet. So this is gonna be an interesting podcast. Hopefully we sound way better. I don't know if we do, but I guess We're we'll not find actually out. here so we sound better we're here because this is our only option in our new apartment that's what happens when you have a one-bedroom apartment yeah but i think we actually will sound better i think so too so just so you know we can paint a picture we are surrounded by clothes that's, yeah and blankets yeah and shoes yeah just i almost spilled my water into my converse just kidding. I don't have Converse. It was just the first shoe name that came to mind. Um, but okay. we're in our closet. Hopefully we sound better. And hopefully um, this is a good podcast. And we're coming at you from Kansas City for the first time. Yeah, we're in Kansas City. And today's topic, we are going to focus on reading or books. 
Um, hopefully we can keep this, plan to keep this one a little bit shorter. Um, but I think that both of us enjoy, especially over the course of this year, mm-hmm. we've enjoyed reading a lot, have learned a lot from reading, mm-hmm. and recognize that kind of has a stigma around it. I would say it has a stigma around it once you're like out of school, just that reading isn't as common. And a person who does read sometimes may think, I don't know, I feel like people look at people who read as if they think that they are better than other people or something like that. Mm-hmm. I might be completely wrong. Well, I think I think it's just not a super, like people don't really read that much. Yeah. Even people who like to read don't read that much. Right. And I think, I don't think that's just after college. I think that's like in college and in high school and all of the above. Yeah. I've never thought about the thinking people are better. Than I mean, I, I might be before. completely wrong. Yeah. But I feel like that's not like, it's maybe like I do like see you what said. you mean though. Because if you like bring up a book in conversation, sometimes it can be like, oh, well, like when I was, you know, studying in my library right. and reading up on all of the latest most important topics as i do like that can sound right. kind of annoying yeah and like you said it might just be that people um yeah just don't do it as much anymore so it comes across that way when you go and i think this will be something that we get into later um but we can get into it right now is just that it is it's one of the few forms especially in this day and age of entertainment it's like an active mm-hmm. an active thing that you're participating in maybe not one of the few things mm-hmm. but it's like mentally active but you have to every time you do it yeah mentally active you have to really enter into it mm-hmm. and prepare for it because if you show up and don't read i think this was my problem with reading is that i would show up and read and I wouldn't digest anything that was going in on the page because I was thinking about other things the entire time. And now I've kind of honed myself a little bit more to where I do enter in so much easier. And now I understand why people really enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, I feel it like you said earlier, in the last year, I think we both just started reading a little bit more. I don't even know how that started. But I growing up, I love to read like I mm-hmm. would read all the time and then once I got to high school I kind of stopped to read like I don't know if I read anything in high school unless it was like assigned yeah which is like like when I was younger we'd go to the library every Friday and I'd get like 10 books and I'd read them all by the next Friday like yeah. so much then didn't read literally anything in high school I would go through like a six month span of reading in college and then not read anything else. And then it's kind of been on and off since then. Yeah. But I think like in the beginning of 2021, like the end of 2020, beginning of 2021, we both started reading more, but I don't remember how that actually started. Well, it started because I said that I wanted to read one book a month. Yeah. But had you like read something before you said that? Well, I was trying to read... I was reading Confessions by Augustine. Yeah, but like I had taken, heavy, heavy book to start with. <laughs> I had taken three or four months to finish a 200, 300-page book. Yeah. So I, like, was very slow oh, in reading right. it. Yeah. And then I made the decision of I want to read one book a month. Mm-hmm. And then that that's kind of what led us to 
getting into just reading books. we have our stacks over on the other side of the room yeah. but we can't see it because we're in a closet as yeah. we said earlier yeah they're over there though just like every i guess we're just doing it we started in the beginning of the year like yeah. january 1st and then every time we read a book we just add it to the I stack think, your stack's bigger than mine right now but. i think i'm around 15 but i think you're around 10 so we're pretty close yeah i've got some ground to make up but um yeah, so it's going well, and we've just really enjoyed it so far, so we figured we'd talk about it. And the first the first thing we I think we really wanted to talk about is just, like, why you should read, number one, and then, like, why you should read instead of doing something else. Like, yeah. why you should choose reading over something else that you might have as an option. Right. Right. What do you think, Seth? Well, I think that kind of leads back to what... I just brought up about the passive and the active. I think that it forms your brain so much differently than the other things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's that's why a lot of people, after the fact, talk about how important it was for them to read. A lot of people who like push change, whether it be social or political change, talk about how much like reading yeah. affects them as a young child. Or, I mean, even now, when they when they get older, but especially when you're young, how important it is to read and kind of, it allows you to form your mind and take in these other opinions or other ways of thinking and allows you to look at your worldview and see what's going on around you and be like, oh, this is how I can apply yeah. that thing that happened in the book to my daily life. Mm-hmm. And I, I nev- never thought about this until right now, but I think it's one of the very few um, like methods we have of taking in information where we don't even have the opportunity to respond. Hmm. So like you yeah. don't, like it's such a good exercise in listening. So like right. if I'm just having a conference, I don't know. So like who's an author? Um, C.S. Lewis. So yeah, yeah, okay. C.S. Lewis is an author. And let's say I'm like, talking to C.S. Lewis in person, if he's just telling me everything that I would read in his book, if he's just telling it to me, like, face-to-face, I'm probably going to want to jump in and, like, cut him off or interrupt or, like, disagree or agree or, like, I'm going to be... I'm not going to be actively listening. I'm going to be, like, trying to come up with a response. Right. But when you're reading, like, you're not preparing to give an answer or you're not preparing to argue. Even if it's a book, like, I think there's so much value in reading, like... So Seth and I are both, like, Christians, for sure. We're, like, Catholics, and that's very important to us. But we have a book, like, on our shelf called The Atheist Manifesto because I think it's so important to read th- that I haven't read yet, but it's on yeah. my list. It's so important to read things that it's you don't <laughs> <laughs> that you don't agree with or don't understand or would like to learn more about. And if I were in a conversation with the guy who wrote it, yeah. I would be, like, just formulating responses, like, left and right, which I'm sure, like, I'll still do in a way as I'm reading but like there's no question in my mind like that the purpose of reading is to listen to what he's saying so I think it's a really good exercise in listening yeah when we don't it's not like we don't we're like bad people and don't want to listen today but I think it's much harder to listen in today's world because we're expected to give answers so much more quickly well and in a place where it's easier to give your opinion like now it's easier to give your opinion more than it ever was before in this world yes so practicing that is pretty difficult for Mm -hmm. some people so i get it i mean it's not it's not 
always the easiest hobby to start, but I think it's very worthwhile. And that goes what you're talking about, where you're being forced to listen. Mm-hmm. When you're listening, you're taking that in. And it's not like you just accept it at face value, but you go out into the world and you see these things happening around you and all these movements and all these people and seeing how they interact with each other. And then you have the ideas from the book that you've been reading. And I mean, literally every book, whatever book I'm reading in that moment has some sort of some sort of relevance to my life at that point. Yeah. Every time I'm always like, oh, this relates like, back oh, to... Like, oh, it makes so much sense why I'm reading this right now. Well, not even that I'm reading this right now, but like these ideas form to my life yeah. in a way. <clears throat> yeah. Um, like form your life? Sorry, not... Or like f- fit into your life. Right. And I can see the themes that are happening in the book in my life. Yeah. yeah. So maybe we were saying the same thing. Yeah. Um. But I just find it so fascinating Mm -hmm. because every time that happens, and that doesn't immediately mean, oh, what the book said is 100% right. It's Mm -hmm. like, huh, that's a little bit different how it happened in my world than it did in this one. Mm -hmm. Maybe this, you know, maybe this is a small shift in my worldview, you know, a small change, a small, like a small death, I guess, in a way, in a sense of like, that's what I used to think was the right thing, but now this has made me see it in a different mm-hmm. light. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So one of the things, whenever you... Because this was Seth's topic that he came up with, and one of the things he mentioned was, like, the importance of reading, obviously, but then the importance of reading, like, historically, or reading to gain like historical context correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like that's what you're saying yeah kind of i mean it's just one it's also one of the longest standing forms of entertainment i Mm -hmm. guess yeah um and how writing and reading has been around since the egyptians Mm -hmm. It, it looked obviously different than it does now but I don't know, it's, it's gone on for so long and stories are so important to us. I mean, that's mm-hmm. Genesis, even before, even before people were writing down stories, there were oral stories. People were that, telling stories. Yeah, people were passing along these stories. Yeah. And even if they couldn't write, it just shows you and tells you how important a story is to humanity. Mm-hmm. And it shows, it shows us who we are mm-hmm. by passing these down. Yeah. for ages yeah and that way we can relate to our ancestors mm-hmm. who were you know so distant yeah and I think I mean both of us you know have been really lucky and really blessed to hear like our parents tell stories or mm-hmm. you know like reference things from their past or our grandparents or whatever like we've had a lot of that um but there's always going to be like you know, I know more about my grandma than I do about my great-grandma. And I know more about my great-grandma than I do about anybody before her. Like, mm-hmm. there's always going to be so much that we don't know. Right. And, like, it's impossible for us. It's impossible for me to know, like, my great-great-great-whatever. Right. Grandma or grandpa. But, like, reading makes that possible to where it, like, bridges the gap. Yeah, I mean, unless, and this is a good point, unless she handed down, like, a journal. That's what I'm saying, yeah. 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 
and then you would intimately get to know her. And even right. though you wouldn't really meet her ever in person, yeah, that would be the closest thing you could uh-huh. get. Yeah. And for someone who maybe like maybe didn't know their grandparents, maybe didn't know their parents, maybe like feels like there's a lot of history missing from their lives that you know like a lot of context to their own life that they would like to know i think in reading stories like you could read 10 stories of a bunch of different people who aren't related to you in any way yeah and in reading those 10 different stories you would still end up learning more about yourself and who you are yeah because like the consistency from one person's life to the next is like way more similar than we realize right so it's kind of like you gain like a family because your family is like all of humanity that's come before you right there's a lot of similarity yeah i mean we build off each other that's the way that's the human condition yeah yeah you brought up a really good point that i was going to touch on but i keep thinking uh, about it maybe it'll come back to you well what i was what i was also going to say is also for history i mean you realize looking at history books how clouded they can be and how people can rewrite history mm-hmm. and so you realize the weaponry behind writing as well and oh, yeah. and reading so you have to be like cautious it's not like you're always accepting um i think that's yeah and the pe- the way people use it as a weapon yeah too. i think and that's i think important the to, more like, you recognize. read the more you realize that you can't just take something at face value like right you can't like in fourth grade when i was reading my history book like it never occurred to me that not every word was true like in my mind every single thing in that book was absolutely true yeah and that's all i needed to know about it right but as you get older you kind of realize like there's value in i mean history is kind of like science i feel like we talked about this a few weeks ago like history is kind of like science where like the nature of science is that we don't know it all Mm -hmm. like that there's more to uncover that we don't know now and that's the way history is too like we will never have the perspective of every single person in every single instance yeah there's always more always more to learn like i i read a biography a couple months ago on abigail adams who's someone that i've like over the last few years i've just heard a lot of people mention her name which is kind of like people don't really talk about historical first ladies that much like that's Hmm. not normal conversation but her name had come up a lot um and so i read this biography on her and it was super good like really really helpful in understanding her and i thought it was really well written yeah um but there were even a few things that the author said where you know like i would read all the quotes from abigail adams in the book and then I would read what the author said about the quotes. And I would be like, you know, obviously she's done way more research than I have. She's devoted so much of her life to uncovering what Abigail Adams meant by these quotes. Right. But I would think like, I don't personally, like, I don't think that's what Abigail Adams meant. Like if I were the biographer, I would have written something different. And so it just yeah. made me want to like, it didn't like, I loved reading the book, but it just made me want to like go find another biography of yeah. Abigail Adams and be like, well, what would somebody else say? Like, how can I get a more well-rounded picture of yeah. her life? Yeah. Yeah, and it also shows you, like, how important the context is. Yeah. In the, especially with historical writings mm-hmm. where it can be so easy to... I mean, that's the problem with a lot of people are upset about journalism today is they're taking mm-hmm. things out of context and putting them into their arguments mm-hmm. to fight for 
whatever, you know, whatever they're fighting for. Yeah. And And it's like, you really, you really missed the point with your use of the quote and then people who actually know the quote or the reading or the teaching or something like that. It's like, wow, you really lost, you know, you lost our trust. Mm -hmm. You lost, you lost a lot of people backing and supporting you because you made a decision to quote out of context Mm -hmm. yeah and I like I was a journalism major and so just like I I haven't worked in journalism like I I'm not an expert in journalism by any means but I think understanding like the purpose or like the intended end of journalism in general you kind of realize that no matter what like we use the like narrative is like this big like kind of like hot button word or whatever right now like oh it's just part of the narrative or whatever like and everything political but in a sense like even like perfect journalism like the perfect quote-unquote unbiased journalism is still part of a narrative Mm -hmm. even like subconsciously because there's always going to be like some sort of slant just from yeah you know like maybe not like a malicious slant or not an intended slant but it's just impossible for one person to understand every perspective from every point of view. Yes. And there are definitely situations where it's like, oh, that was an intended malicious slant. Um, but realizing that journalism is never going to like answer all our questions either. Yeah. That's why I think reading, like it's taking like, it upon ourselves to read lots yes, of different things is yes. really important. Because you have to form yourself yeah, to come up with your own Then you take responsibility opinion. for your own formation and your own like gathering of information. And it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't mean you have to come out with something outlandish in yeah. your own opinion. It can, it's okay for it to, for it to be similar to other people mm-hmm. and constantly you're switching it. It's not like you have to stay with the same opinion your entire yeah. life. I mean, yeah. some people get so stuck on that stuff, you feel bad for them because then they are in a hole or something like mm-hmm. that where they can't dig out of. Yeah, and everybody <clears throat> likes new information. You know, like, I think it's really, like, a reassuring thing when you're... We're just, like, in this place where we're, like, addicted to gossip and new mm-hmm. information and blah, 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 whatever. But, and, like, I think it's kind of refreshing when you realize, like, oh, there's new information that I haven't heard yet that like expands my worldview into like a more hopeful sort of a thing. I don't know. Um, yeah, but I mean, I, I guess we kind of took that to like present day too, like historical and present day, which are both important. Well, yeah, that's the thing is, I mean, to also kind of relay this back to more of the history style stuff. I feel like we've been talking about this in every conversation, but right now, Tori is reading a book about Russia. Yeah. And I, she has referred me to a podcast that actually our buddy Matt Wilkes referred us to. Hey, Matt Wilkes. The, it's called The Real Dictators. It's so good. It's really good. I listened to like three episodes in one day. Um, so she was like, why don't you listen to the Stalin one? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, this you hear this about multiple communist regimes, is that what they do is they take over the uh journalism newspaper whatever you call it yeah the media and they push their agenda forward and make sure that nobody knows about what's actually going on yeah and you see like the use of propaganda is so prevalent and so powerful and like is literally the reason like good or bad like is literally the reason anything significant has happened in history yeah, and you see that in China now. In yeah, North you see Korea. it in America now. Like, that's marketing. Yeah. Like, I see it every day at my job. You know, it's just like right. 
marketing is propaganda and if a good market they even said in the podcast i don't know if you got to this part yet but um if stalin had been alive now he would have been like a top executive of an ad agency somewhere because that he like he understood propaganda so well and he spent hours like writing the perfect theme like the slogans and taglines and yeah yeah so i don't know i just find that so and they rewrote history like you hear that about Mm -hmm. communist regimes as well like they rewrote history to make it and and if there's somebody who can be a scapegoat like um i don't remember who it was in north korea but i remember they constantly were like tagging it back to this other political party that Mm -hmm. was trying to rise yeah which is like all we do in america (laughs) yeah and then they would purposely the the country or the government would purposely like put out one of these um you know kind of like an inside job type situation Mm -hmm. where they like committed the government committed some act against themselves and then depend it on somebody oh i see you know like you hear about that happening And then they blame it on the political party. So people will be mad at that political party. But then they can't. I mean, we're going to get to really good books at the end of it that we've read this year. But Animal Farm talks about that in the book where all the animals like work towards building up this windmill. Mm -hmm. And then the government within the government cracks it down and breaks it down on purpose just so all the animals will keep working. Mm. Yeah. So it's just like the and it's like I like case in point there like because we are reading something like the Stalin podcast and Animal Farm don't really have that much you know like they're not supposed to be like part of the same series or anything but directly related. I think reading it's like we we weren't directly talking about either one of those books but because we've been reading them we can be like oh yeah like it's like in this book where this happened and then this right. other book where it happens but in a slightly different way and then you start to understand right. So, things in a lot of different perspectives. Yeah, I just wanted to bring that up because it's you hear about that, and even looking back, you wonder like, I wonder how much of the history I, I wonder how much of history I missed mm-hmm. in yeah. my classes. Yeah, totally. Because there was a lot of it, and we just skipped. Yeah, there's no way to cover all of it. We it's skipped like, hundreds of years. We yeah. skipped thousands of years, mm-hmm. and we just went from Egypt to Rome. Yeah. It's like, how much was in between that? Yeah, I don't even know what was in between that. Like, there's so much that we missed. I read this quote sometime. It was like, uh, I'm going to mess it up, but it's like the like the hunter always writes the lion story or something like that. You know, like the person mm. who ended up on top is the one who has the final say. Or, yeah. You know, like you're never going to hear what actually happened to the lion because you're hearing it from story the story is always told from the point of the victor. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's why any like big historical event, I don't know whether it's like something is like seriously terrible or awful, you know, like Russia, like we're talking about, or like the Holocaust or, um, the civil war or something or like something super great where it's the olympics or a story of victory like no matter how much you hear in victory books like the most interesting part is when they have like oh and here was this little village person who was there when it happened or whatever like you always want to hear that perspective mm-hmm. like that person's story is always it's like anne frank like i'd rather read anne frank's book than my fourth grade history book on the holocaust yeah because you understand that like, subconsciously, I think you understand that, like, 
Anne wrote that and she wrote it for herself and nobody else. Yeah. Like she didn't write it as like she wrote it as a narrative, but it was just her own like genuine narrative. Right. Whereas history books are always taking to it into account like all these other factors and it's never going to be like as genuine as someone who was just writing in their journal or their diary while they were there. Yeah. 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 The next thing uh, we wanted to talk about was, um, okay, so I kind of want to group the next two together. Like, number one was, like, obstacles to reading. So, yeah, like, when we don't read and we do something else, like, why is that? Yeah. And then um, the difference between reading and, like, basically screens. Like, we put watching something, but, like, I don't know, watching TV, watching a show, being on our phone, whatever, like... Yeah. Why don't we read more? And then what's the difference between reading and watching something on a screen? Do you want to take the first swing at that? Sure. Um, obstacles to reading. I wrote this one down and it was more because I like, I would like to know what our obstacles to reading are. I'm not entirely sure. Um, and I think about, okay, I guess I think about like when I was younger and I did read so much. It wasn't because I was, like, super disciplined and knew that the responsible, studious thing for me to do was read, so I, like, decided to go read. It was, like, no, like, I was so... And it was all fiction books, but I was, like, so into the story that it was, like, there was an an addiction there to the story, huh. and I was so attracted to it that I, like, couldn't like put it down. like an adventure. Yeah. I mean, people get lost in books, too. Yeah, exactly. And now I think, like... I'm sure there are lots of things that I'm some I'm subconsciously addicted to, but it's like I'm addicted to my phone. I'm addicted to like the motion. There's been studies like the motion of scrolling is literally addictive. Like that's why they make scrolling like vertical is because they know it's more addictive than horizontal or whatever, you know. So um, I think now it's like I don't read because there's a stronger addiction that I'm drawn towards. Um, and... Yeah, I don't know. So, like, sophomore year, when I, like, hadn't been reading for, like, years and years and years, and I was like, you know what? I want to start reading again. So, sophomore year of college, I decided that for, like, a month, or oh, I think it was during Lent. So, like, for all of Lent, I was going to give up social media, and every time I, like, noticed myself, like, subconsciously reaching for my phone, I, I had, like, my phone and my book on my nightstand. I would, like, consciously reach for my book instead. And I'd be like, okay, even if I would normally scroll on my phone for like three minutes I'm gonna read for three minutes instead which seems mm. dumb like I feel like we're like oh I'm not gonna read unless I've got like a solid 20 minutes to read or something but I was like even if it's only half a page like I'm gonna read for the duration of time when I would normally be mm. scrolling and I finished like two books during Lent yeah which like see seemed so weird to me because again like I was not in the practice of that like I had not been able to do that for several years right but I think it was just more like prioritizing what do I reach for when I'm bored? And I don't know if this that's the best way to approach it, but that's my answer. Yeah, I think this goes back to what I was saying at the beginning. The hardest thing for me to get past was just my <clears throat> ability to actually concentrate on yeah. the book itself. Because there's so many other things going on mm -hmm. that it's easy to focus on them rather than sit down and, I don't know, 
like I said, some people might look at reading just as an escape. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's how I looked at it. And I think that goes back to the obstacle of reading as well as the ease of the screen. Mm-hmm. The screen's passive. Um, I've already talked about this, but like I don't have to think about, sure, if there's a really good TV show that I want to pay attention to, mm-hmm. I can sit down and watch a full episode and be and engaged. And you like, think about the plot. Like The better the movie or the better the show, you're still going to be intrigued in the plot, but yeah. you don't have to come up with it yourself. Like, And there are lots of times when in a show you zone out and you, you're not paying attention for yeah, a couple minutes that's a good point. and like if a lot of people just turn on netflix and don't pay attention to what they turn on to it's just background noise and then they scroll on their phone and they're looking at another screen mm-hmm. and it's just also passive there's nothing and like even on social media you technically don't have to engage in it a lot of people don't even mm-hmm. engage in social just like media. something to look at they while you're in an scroll. elevator so you don't have to look at anybody right. else they just and scroll. we're not it's not like we're not like saying this in a condom in a condemning way it's like the reason we know this so well is because like i feel like we literally do this all the time like you you realize how easy it is to look at a screen and zone out during a screen because we've Mm -hmm. done it a lot yeah yeah so i'd say that would be something to me and the book you have to you constantly have to be acting on it and that's the difference between a book and a phone is that you have to be acting on the book and you're always, you're working towards the next page and you're concentrating on what's happening and you're imagining, like you're mm-hmm. creating, you know, your brain is working mm-hmm. this whole time much differently than it would watching a video game yeah. because it's there in a movie. It's already there. It's created for mm-hmm. you. All you have to do is look at that's it. A, that's a really good point. But a like, book, you have to imagine what's going on. Yeah. In a book, or sorry, excuse me, in a show or a movie or something on a screen like if you zone out it's going to keep playing. Yeah, and you can catch if back up If you're reading a book, easily. yeah, if you're reading a book, if you zone out, like the reading doesn't keep happening, the reading just stops. Mm-hmm. Cuz like you're the one doing the reading. Well, that's and that's where like even an ebook I think is different than reading. I'm not I feel like some people are like anti ebook. I don't really care. I think ebooks are great, but I yeah. I just don't really listen to audiobooks or ebooks or no, audiobooks, that's what I meant to say. Okay. I don't really listen to audiobooks at all. I don't really know why. I just don't but yeah, I, I do think either. that's I've a difference between audiobooks and like physical books is it's still more active when you have to do the reading yourself. Yeah, and audiobooks are probably fine. I've only done it a couple times. Yeah. And every time I've done it, it's so much easier for me to zone out. Yeah. And it's kind of, I don't know, if the readings feel a little forced. I'd much rather just listen to a podcast where it's conversational. Oh, yeah. That's just how I feel yeah. about it, though. Oh, that is, I guess ebooks are like basically the same as a podcast, but just a little different sometimes it feels vanilla yeah to me yeah but that's just my opinion narrator or something yeah right yeah yeah what about um so you kind of like talked about it a little bit but Mm -hmm. the on the whole like book versus screen reading versus screen thing like you said when you read a book like you paint the picture yourself Mm -hmm. i guess like do you want to talk about that a little bit more um sure i can just that especially when you get older it's not as not that everybody doesn't use their imagination but a lot of people forget about 
using their imagination and their creative side. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that books help kind of form that, especially when you're older and you lose that edge. I mean, I would say I've, I wasn't always the greatest. I mean, we've talked about this in a previous podcast on our creativity one. Yeah. But I would say I, I wasn't like ever. I a lot of that goes hand in hand. With yeah, this. I mean, like I would have never really looked at myself as a creative person. But sometimes when I'm in a book, I recognize like, oh, why people, why people make great art and mm-hmm. why people make great music and mm-hmm. stuff like that because they have these other forms and they have those as a base and can go off and make something else mm-hmm. um, or rewrite a book that's maybe a little bit different that's kind of similar. Yeah. I don't know. It just makes you recognize. And like great movies are made from great books. Yeah. Like. Lord oh, of the that's Rings, so true. you know, Lord of the Rings wouldn't have, the movie wouldn't have been Lord of the Rings, of the movie without the book. Yeah. And it's hard to make like a great movie from a bad book unless you like change the book, you know, like a, a really great book will be made into a movie without needing to change anything. And that's why you're so disappointed when you do watch a movie and it's not the same as the book. And it's yeah, like, you're like, oh, the book had it right. That could have been so much different. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point, though. Like, stories are good stories no matter what, like, media they're in or form they're in or whatever. And that's why they get passed down generations and generations and generations. Yeah. That's why people knew Adam and Eve and Noah and Abraham. It's because not necessarily that those were written on the date that they happened, Mm -hmm. but over time they were passed down generations mm-hmm. and then it was finally written down. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it teaches you, it really teaches you about humanity. It's not necessarily about the specific person, mm-hmm. but it's what it can teach you about your own life. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. definitely. So, I mean, that's just kind of my little bit on, um, writing. I mean, it's also kind of like, I know people have said this about, uh, Flannery O'Connor cause she's a great Catholic yeah. writer and people always read her stories and expect something so to be very beautiful or, you know, something to be like in depth hopeful because she's a Catholic writer Yeah. and you read all her stories and they're very, they're like the total very strange and nothing that you expect happens. And you often, I mean, I haven't read I don't think I've read any of her stories, but from what I've heard, yeah. they often end up sad. Yeah, I've read, I have like the <clears throat> book of her short stories and I like, I got really into those. So yeah. I've talked about them a lot. Like Seth hasn't read them, but when he says he hasn't read them, to. like he's definitely heard a lot about them. Right, and I, I really want to. Um, but the reason she's a great Catholic artist is because you can walk away from her book knowing the moral of her stories, mm-hmm. not because they're overly joyful and evoke you to want to go out and be this like catholic or you know this yeah. self-proclaimed catholic but because you get done reading it and you're like oh i i see that person in my daily life yeah how can i help them yeah and that exactly. makes people or like i am that person to go be a life. good steward to other people yeah so yeah. i don't know yeah i think that's really good um I was going to say something you said. I was going to say something. I forgot what it was. So maybe it'll come back to me. Um, But one thing I also wanted to talk about, I kind of like touched on this in the beginning, but 
um, I don't know. So kind of how I said, like when I read a lot when I was younger, it wasn't because like I was like studious and right. responsible and thought it was just like a good thing to do. It was because like I like couldn't stop. Like I'd yeah. be in class and we'd be going over an English lesson and I would like hide my book in my desk and read it. Like, <laughs> like I was, I would get so into the stories if it was a good story. Yeah. And then if it wasn't a good story, like I had an inability to finish the book because yeah. I wasn't attached to it. Like it wasn't just drawing me in. Right. Um, and so <laughs> whatever we, I guess like back in January or I don't know, around Christmas time. So like not too long, right after we got married and, um, and I was reading, I was reading Little House on the Prairie. I love Little House on the Prairie. Like, grew up reading them. 24-year-old. They're so... 25-year-old. No, they're so important to me. They're so good. I was reading Little House on <laughs> yes, the Prairie. Yes, no, this is not a joke. This is a real thing. I was reading Little House on the Prairie because I love it. And I was, if and for everyone else, because I know other people have also read Little House on the Prairie, and I was reading These Happy Golden Years, which is the one where they get married, and we had just gotten married, so it's a very sentimental thing. And I am just, like, attached to this book, like, reading it nonstop. It's just, like, back when I was little. And I was super happy about that. I was, like, I haven't read in so long. I, like, I was, like, I can't anymore. You know, like, I'm just not a reader like I used to be. Like, I've just lost that touch or something. And suddenly here I am, like, attached to this book again in the same way that I used to be. So I was, like, super excited about it. And so I'm, like, in the bathroom fifth grade level i'm stop <laughs> i'm in the bathroom um brushing my teeth and reading the book as i'm brushing my teeth and seth walked in and he was like what are you doing like he was so frustrated like so annoyed and i like could not understand why but he was like what are you doing like you're brushing your teeth like you should be able to put the book down and brush your teeth and then come back to it and i was like what are you talking about like this i'm reading like it's not like i'm wasting time on social media or I don't know, doing something unconstructive with my time. Like I'm, I'm literally reading what is wrong with that. But I feel like we had a fight about it. And then through the, we didn't really have a fight about it, but just as we talked about it more, it kind of dawned on me. I was like, just because it's reading doesn't mean it's like always good or always done in a good way. Like mm -hmm. it kind of goes back to the, like the all things in moderation phrase that we've all heard a lot. Like, mm -hmm all things in moderation and all things with direction. And if you're just reading because you can't stop or because you're really into the story, like that's not necessarily good in and of itself. Like it's good that you can read. That's yeah. a really great skill to have and a really great skill to improve on. But there's nothing in our lives that we shouldn't strive to practice like self-control within. And I think reading's included in that. Yeah, I think I'll keep mine somewhat brief on this, but... <clears throat> I think everybody hears about those people that sit in their house and read all the time and don't go outside and don't experience things. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about The Hobbit. It's like the unexpected adventure yeah. is little Bilbo wants to stay inside and read his books and all of a sudden 10 dwarves show up and force him to go out on this. Mm -hmm. Well, not force him, but he makes the decision to go out afterwards. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but in that moment, Bilbo would have much rather sat and read his books and had his tea mm -hmm. and enjoyed his comfy little home. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yes, read books, use that, and then go out into the world and apply the lessons you've learned. And honestly, I would say 
kind of going hand in hand with the reading is write, you know, force yourself. Oh, yeah. Force yourself to write and have an opinion on things. And Mm -hmm. like it goes back to like your grandma's diary or, you know, like even if it's never something that you want to publish or put out into the world, write what's going on in your brain Mm -hmm. and what's happening and what you're seeing. Because I think that that's that's important and that you know that builds another muscle and that builds the creativity even more so yeah flannery o'connor has a quote where somebody when she was like super well known and everybody knew she's a great writer and like a student sometime was like miss o'connor like why do you write and she said i write because i don't know what i think until i write it down Mm -hmm. you know like i i can't it's how i process my thoughts i think it's really helpful in that way too so that would be my just quick um thoughts on mm-hmm. on that yeah is don't be go out and experience life as well because that's the only way you're going to learn from all the things you take in yeah like just because you read all the time doesn't mean doesn't mean like you I know anything yeah, it doesn't yeah, mean you know anything true. and whenever like whenever i was younger i would have always thought like i am a great person i am such a good kid all i do is read all the time and it's like not necessarily like just because you read all the time doesn't make you better than anybody else or doesn't make you smarter or wiser because it's like reading isn't an end unto itself. Like reading, the purpose of reading is to like help you in other areas of your life Hmm. outside of reading. All right. So to wrap it up quickly, three books that were either your favorite so far this year or maybe the ones that you're reading now or whatever. Yeah. Three suggestions. I would say, so the one we referenced earlier, the Russia one, I'm in a big Russian history phase right now, which is weird, but um, the book I'm reading now is called The Gulag Archipelago. Um, It's like pretty heavy. I'm reading an abridged version. Um, When we talk about like historical context, that definitely checks that box. Um, But I would just, for the sake of time, I would say just go Google it and see for yourself but I would like 100% recommend that everyone reads that at some point in their life like it's one of those books and then number two I read this book called The Boys in the Boat it was about um the U.S. rowing team in 1936 that went to Berlin to the Olympics and it was just like a back then it was just college kids would go to the Olympics. It wasn't like professionals or anything. So just a bunch of college kids that are sent to Germany in 1936. So like, obviously the historical context there is pretty important. And then, I don't know, are we just, are we doing books in general or just books from this year? I don't don't know, whatever you want to do. Let's just do books from this year. Okay. Um, I don't remember what else I've read this year though. Um, Good thing I have this here. That's what's going to tell me what I Oh, really? This year. Okay, how about you go, and then I'll say my last one. I'll think about it. Um, okay, the ones I would suggest that I've read this year, um, definitely Animal Farm by George Orwell. Very funny, very quick read. Teaches I know, when you, you said it was funny, I was like, I didn't think that was It is kind funny. of hilarious. <laughs> but it teaches you, like, quite a bit. So, yeah. like, it's very well thought out, maybe like 100, 120 pages. Mm-hmm. Very quick. Um, other one I would suggest is Frequent Confessions. I'll just suggest that one. Very, um, thorough book about why you should go to confession frequently on a consistent basis, even if you don't necessarily have mortal sins. 
Um, you can always come up with venial sins because we're sinful in nature. So it's just the idea of why you should continue going to confession even if you have venial sins. Very well done book. Uh, I would definitely encourage people to think about it. It can come down as on the harsher side of the mm-hmm. Catholicism um, spectrum. But I think what it's trying to teach is very good. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's one of the books you reference a lot. Right, and people like don't like going to confession, so they should see why. Yeah, it's challenging. It is challenging, and that's the way it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I guess, lastly, I will go with, I'll just stick on the Catholicism train. I just read this book called Pope Peter by Joe Heschmeyer. Um, once again, another very thorough um, biblical teaching of the papacy and although it's not necessarily the most important of all the Catholic doctrines, it talks about why it's the most defining. I mean, we're the only religion that has the papacy, so it's talking about all the scriptural references talking about what the papacy is and why Peter was the first pope and why it should continue after him. So very well done book by Mm -hmm. Joe Heschmeyer, a guy from Kansas City as well. Yeah. And then for my last one, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't say this is like, it's not like the best book I've ever read. Like I could think of other like deeper books, but for the sake of saying something a little different than we've said so far, um, Molly's Game by Molly Bloom. Um, I watched the movie before I read the book, which I don't normally recommend, but I do it all the time, so I did it in this situation. Um, And, yeah, Molly Bloom is, I think she, like, lives in Colorado now or something, but she has a crazy story of, like, growing up, training to be, like, a skier, a person who skis, and she, like, was, like, Olympic-level athlete, blah, 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 whatever, had an injury, and then moved to Vegas, and then ran like the largest underground poker game in the world like ever um and has like an insane story and it's a I mean if you read the book it's all a true story that she wrote so um I loved it and I really loved the movie too so I recommend both so there you have it yeah that's what we suggest go read a little bit spend some time too much not too much spend some time thinking about it um and let it change you yeah let it shift the way you think because that's the way it's supposed to be. Don't be so hard um, on yourself or hard in your thinking. Mm-hmm. And just think through. Let let the people who wrote these stories speak to you. Yeah. And check out Little House on the Prairie from your local library. I'll leave that. I'll leave that up to your discretion. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening in. Um, go check out the Seeking Excellence the other podcasts that have been out recently i know there's been some good ones the blogs i wrote my first one yeah so go check it out the writer um it's really good hopefully you like it um i would love to get yeah i'd love to get some more um, prompts in the future for some people so yeah maybe i'll figure out a way of doing that for our next podcast but that would be great that is great check those out i know we're coming up on the year anniversary of seeking excellence so keep your eyes peeled from what nathan and the rest of the team has to offer but thank you again all for listening 
and for tuning in. We really appreciate all your support here at Seeking Excellence, and we wish you all the best. Yep. All right. Have a good night. Bye.